Johnny Singh and Kevin Perry back again, and boxing is certainly back. Oh, my goodness. We had a great weekend. David Benavides went out there, did his thing, and Jaime Munguia went out there and did his thing. And we have a great, great fight coming up on November 20th where Crawford and Porter are going to do their great thing. And also, we have to unpack Canelo versus Plant. Kevin, let's hit it. What's good today, Kev? How you doing, my man? Good, man. Pretty good. I like to hear pretty good. The yeah. weather in Vegas is uh, pretty excellent. I barbecued today, went to the right hot on. tub, uh, got a day off. But uh, I tell you what, boxing has no days off nowadays. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we got a lot of stuff to unpack here. Uh, where would you like to start, Kev? Uh Let's uh let's kind of go back a couple weeks uh, mm -hmm. since we've been off for a little bit uh, as usual. You know our our schedules don't always uh, meet up properly. Uh, glad glad to do a show with you today, uh, we're, but we're gonna go back to uh, just briefly because you know I mean I, I don't want to rehash what's been probably talked about consistently for the last uh, week or two. But uh, we're gonna just you know review Canelo versus Plant. Your thoughts. Uh, where does he go from here? Um, let, let's keep it brief, though. Just give your, your thoughts on uh, Canelo versus Plant uh, and what occurred. I thought both guys looked excellent, even though that Plant was, I think, outmatched and outclassed. Uh, Canelo has a great experience level. Uh, we got to remember that Canelo's fought in 58 fights, 57-1 and one, with 39 KOs. Uh, TKO'd Plant. Um, in that set assignment, but I think Plant, if he could pick himself up and galvanize, he will rejuvenate himself and be. He got. A he got. Uh, he got face planted. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that, that was nice, Kev. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. But I mean, Canelo's got a lot of experience. And listen, in my opinion, I'll keep it very brief. Is that I think that he's Canelo is uh, the best fighter right now in my pound for pound ranking. I would like to see him face David Benavides, who uh, just recently fought and is now 25-0 with 22 KOs and just had a seventh round beat down over Davis. Davis is a tough guy, man. You know, he really he really showed his grit. But for David Benavides, like, there's something about him that just – yeah, there he is right on the screen right now. Just got that it factor. Um, I think he's uh, the most – uh, person on the planet that could give Canelo problems. What's your thoughts on that, Kevin? Um, hmm. So basically, we're 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 just gonna, uh, you know, give our thoughts on the weekend review. Uh, David Benavides. Uh, uh, ask that question again. Um, okay. So David Benavides, what you saw the other night against Davis. Okay. David's now at twenty-five and zero with twenty-two KOs. Seventh round stoppage of Davis. Um, we all know that David Benavidez, very young, but very strong looking. He's got like I, I think that yeah, he's got um he's got a great engine and he, he throws a, a great variety of punches. Um it, it's hard for you to really know what's coming. Um his defense is 
how would you say um it's a lot better than it looks like he knows how to block punches he knows how to counter and he kind of keeps his opponents in um vulnerable positions all the time so um he does get hit with you know sometimes but i i think he's very prepared for the punches he kind of knows what punches to take uh how to come back and he kind of like just he like rains down on you. That, that's kind of the term that that I kind of see from him. Uh, the way he fights is just very difficult to overcome the pressure. And he doesn't necessarily fight at one speed, what, what which I like. You know, sometimes he throws his jab, uh, you know, like a setup kind of touch jab. Sometimes he throws a hard jab. And then um, he'll mix up, you know, the jab. He'll hook off the jab. You know, he'll throw overhand right. And he mixes in a lot of creative body shots. And... Um, that's kind of the part of his game that I like the best is he he never um he 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 always commits to the body. He makes sure that he uses that to break down his opposition. Um sometimes he looks like uh he's just following his opponents around. Um but he takes his opponent's legs away by going to the body consistently and he puts so much pressure and it, it's it's similar to what Canelo does. It's it's mental pressure that he puts on you, and the body shots eventually wear you down enough to where you're not able to move, and then he can start getting off those creative combinations. You know, it usually takes him about at least two or three rounds before you kind of see the engine uh, get into third and fourth gear. You know, you just kind of but 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 what I do like is he stays behind that jab. He has a a very good jab for somebody who has the type of style that he does. You know. That's why I think it's the best fight at 168 pounds. Canelo and Benavidez is a fight I would love to see, and that's why I kind of married them together in this conversation is that, you know, both guys have great ability, and they also they fight very similar, like a lot of body shots, a lot of jabs, a lot of attacking, a lot of standing in front of you. Like the thing about Benavidez the other night when he was fighting Davis is like if you watch him, he's just stalking, walking him down. Same thing Canelo did with Plant. Like these guys are stalkers. Like a lot of people will say, you know, on the flip side, well, Canelo's kind of a counterpuncher. He was, but now he's more aggressive. He's feeling himself. A guy like Benavidez, I think, will make him try to feel himself even more and have a stalking mentality because he's going to feel jeopardized. Like if you're standing in front of David Benavidez, who is a large guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he definitely does, he's definitely yeah. not body beautiful. I'll, I'll say that much. No. I mean, he's, but but he but he has kind of um, I guess you would say like kind of like a Felix Trinidad type uh physique. He's very tall, he's lanky, um, but he has a boxing body, you know. He's he has a a, a very good engine, you know, and, and the thing with him is um I've seen him, you know, I haven't I've only seen him go 12 rounds twice. But but what I've seen is he gets uh, like kind of stronger as the fights go on. He doesn't lose gas. He fights at a very consistent pace, but he doesn't waste a lot of energy either. No, he doesn't. And he's not body beautiful. No disrespect, yeah. David Benavides but, um, and the people that are handling him. But that's a great comparison to Felix Trinidad. But for people listening that don't box or never boxed before, you don't need to be ripped. I mean, go back to like Anthony Joshua when he was like chiseled, like cut from stone, those muscles didn't do shit for him when he fought Andy Ruiz. You know, you could actually box and be loose, be in shape, obviously got to make your weight, 
but a guy like David Benavides, he does look a little thick. He does yeah. look a little loose. But the thing is, again, the term is loose yeah. because he's able to throw combinations and his muscles don't require as much oxygen to uh, enable himself to throw as many punches as he does. But uh, hopefully yeah, we get and, Benavides and, um, and Canelo soon. And what's interesting about that is um, I don't know if you've seen a video. I'd, I'd, I'd love to post it uh, sometime on our show, just a clip. But I, I saw a, a video of him when he was about, I think, 11 or 12 years old. And um, I think he was doing hit and mitts or something. And they're interviewing him, something like that. But, um, you know, I think in his family's gym. And he was about 250 pounds. As a 12 or 13 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw so that video. from what I was reading, um, just doing some little research on him, uh, he only had about 15 amateur fights. And part of that was because he was trained in a pro style. And then also um, he had to lose all that weight. So you can imagine he at 12 or 13 years old, he was about 250. He's fighting at 168 pounds. So you can just see his body. I mean, he's naturally like from a bone structure perspective, he's just a naturally big guy he's um, a big boy he, he, he absolutely but as far as um just to go into just real quick uh, my thoughts on a potential fight with him and canelo um i think he's a good shot at beating canelo um but I, I see some holes uh i think when he gets fighters on the ropes he squares himself up too much but yes. obviously that's that's something that um you know that they'll, they'll probably probably be able to correct um and I think if he fights Canelo, he's not going to just be standing in front of him as much as he was against Davis. Davis uh, didn't pose as much of a threat as far as punching power. Uh, Davis only had about six KOs in about maybe 18, 19 fights, I believe. You know, he, he was a relative. Uh, he's not a fighter that had a whole lot of experience. And and I and I also I, I think Benavidez really to give himself a better shot needs a couple more fights. The only problem is I don't know what fighters at 168 pounds are really going to give him a whole lot of resistance. So, so maybe the time is now, but you know, he, he come from a boxing family. So um, he's been around the sport since he's a kid. So um, that's definitely a positive. He's, he's got a lot more experience than people think because he's been training and sparring with, um, you know, uh, professional fighters since a since he was a teenager. That's why, he became 168 uh, pound world champion um, at the youngest ever at the age of 21. So I mean, he is—he's yes. definitely somebody who's going to give Canelo a world of trouble. Um, I'm just a little concerned about him defensively, um, but he looks like he has a pretty good chin. So I mean, if if he can take Canelo's punches, um, that's—he's got a good shot. And um, I guess the biggest thing is there's a lot of body there to be hit, you know, and Canelo is vicious with the body shots, but if you can match Can and, but Canelo likes to fight at a measured pace. And if uh, Benavides can kind of take him out of that comfort zone and just really push uh, Canelo to have to fight at a faster pace where Canelo's, uh, you know, tank is a little bit empty in the later rounds and he takes Canelo that far and Canelo hasn't really been able to hurt him. I think he's an excellent chance of, uh, pulling off what would be, I wouldn't say a monumental upset, but a pretty good upset. I'd see this fight being somewhere in a Canelo being like a five to one favorite just because he's got such popularity. D these are great points that you made. 
And I got to say with Benavides, he's very strong. And I also noticed that observation that you made where he squares up, especially against the ropes when he has his opponent, like, you know, back against the ropes type of style. And he looked really, really good doing it, especially against Davis the other night. And Davis actually, dude, I got to give all the credit in the world to Davis. Like, he took a hell of a amount of punishment. Like, he got... He got beat up, man. He was, like, he was tough as nails, and similar, tough as similarly nails. to um, the last opponent that Benavides had, uh, Ron Ellis. That guy was tough as. I mean, there were similar opponents. I just think the difference here was um, Ellis was a natural, I think, um, hundred sixty eight pounder, and I think Davis was more of a one sixty one fifty four. Um, just really a, a much smaller guy, but a guy that was in tremendous condition. Um. Thoughts on Jaime Munguia, who just fought Gabriel Sato in an amazing fight. Okay, I'm going to say amazing because yeah. it was pretty I, I didn't get to see the whole 12-round fight. I did see Ooh. some highlights, and it, it definitely looked like a barn burner. Um, oh. give, give us give us uh, some background on it. You know, you, you got to see all 12 rounds. Uh, what did you think of Jaime Munguia? Jaime Munguia now improves to 38, you know, with 30 KOs. Gabriel Sato. 26 13 and one don't let that 13 loss fool you and the one draw yo this was one hell of a fight i gotta say something about jaime Munguia. he throws combinations that are insane like and they're effective what i mean by insane we're talking five six seven punch combinations you know uh tripling off like Captain Hook, Roy Jones back in the day, like three hooks at a time and then a right hand over the top and then a left uppercut, stepping back. Jaime Munguia has definitely been on the Johnny Sig notice. <laughs> you know, I am definitely watching this guy's development. He's had a lot of fights. And, you know, you say 38, you know, John, development. He's starting to become that household name is my point. Uh, he looked wonderful. Um, Gabe Rosado, always, always a gladiator. Yeah. Always, always a strong fighter. Always comes and brings he's, it. Yeah, he's, he always, he's been able to get close to the mountaintop. He just never gotten there. But, I mean, he's he's been like a career opponent. Um, but definitely somebody you got to beat to kind of get to the next level. And I think uh, from that standpoint, uh, Mungia passed, passed the test. I, I think yeah. he's definitely ready for a shot at a Dimit Dimitris Andre. That would be a hell of a fight. I don't know what they're waiting for. Um, but but let's move on. Um, yes, sir. Let's do it. Big upset uh, in England <clears throat> this weekend. Kid Galahad gets knocked out against 35-year-old. I, I wouldn't call him a journeyman, but way past his best, Kiko Martinez, um, probably a knockout of the year candidate. I mean, he knocked him down even the fifth round, and he almost looked out of it and then um, got up, bell rung, and the first punch, I, I believe, of the sixth round, um, just knocked out cold. Uh, beautiful right hand, overhand right. Uh, it was a TKO six. It was in a... You know, Sheffield, I believe that's Kid Galahad's uh, hometown. He's he's uh, trained by um, – he's in the in the Ingle Gym, 
um, the trainers for uh, Nassim Hamed. So he comes from that stock. Uh, good, really good fighter, too. Galahad, you know, good boxer. Uh, he likes to switch hit and whatnot. And I think what happened was he just he was dominating the fight and he just kind of lost concentration for a split second and he got nailed and he just never recovered. Uh, definitely That's what happens. People get loose and, uh, and, and anything and could yeah. happen. And, and there's anything. one and there's one thing that Martinez uh, has always been known for is that he can punch. So he's always uh, definitely dangerous, um, even though he hasn't been as successful at featherweight. He was a champion, I believe, at uh, 122 pounds. Um, and then also in England, another big upset um, in women's boxing, Terry Harper um, gets knocked out standing. Um, and, I mean, this was as vicious as it gets. I mean, she got hit with a – I believe it was a, a big right hand. And her le whole body looked like she just – she hit a wall, and the referee immediately jumped in and stopped it. Uh, she lost to um, unknown – uh, Philly fighter Alicia Baumgartner, they call her the Bomb, and she's from uh, a Michigan-based uh, fighter. Um, big upset. She's only you know she was uh, what eleven and one, you know women's eleven and one in seven KOs. So in women's boxing, if you have seven KOs in eleven fights, that means you're a huge puncher because women you're are just packing. not known. <laughs> yeah, women are not known for having a lot of knockouts. Um, so, you know, more, more uh, power to her. We need some more, you know, female stars uh, from the U.S. in boxing. So that was, yes, that was a big upset. And, uh, and women's boxing is starting to get a lot more attention um, just overall in the U.S. So it's a perfect time for, for uh, this girl to kind of um, get her profile out there. She's, a, she's definitely got the look, you know. The, you know um, she, she's a looker. She's, she's a good-looking girl. So she's somebody that um, – they're probably going to try to market and, you know, do, do some stuff with her in the future. Um, and yeah, and she has a good personality that, that definitely helped, you know, it's like uh Clarissa Shields who's one of the best uh, female boxers in the world. Um, she's not, she doesn't have the personality that's as marketable as some other fighters out there. Like for example, like Michaela Mayer, uh, she has a, a pretty good, uh, interesting story um, speaks well, um, has seems like has a, a positive, more positive attitude. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, women's boxing, uh, needs, but you know, there, there's always, you know, there's always a place for the villain though. in, in, in professional, boxing. Let, let's shout out Lou DiBella. He's a big, big supporter of women's boxing as I am. And thankfully through him, I've had a lot of great female fighters champions on my show through his, uh, connection that I have. And these women, believe me, they work hard. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, Lou's trying to set them up in a nice way, but they have to work extra hard because yeah. the pay stubs are not as great as they are for the men. Well, and, and, and just the and the just the talent pool, like in general, is so limited that um it just makes it difficult to make um to make fights because you, you gotta make fights that at least they're going to appear to the public to be competitive. Uh, we we there was a fight I remember a couple years ago. It was uh, Senecia Estrada, who's a, a great female fighter. I mean, to me, she's probably in the top three in the women's pound for pound. And they put some undefeated five and zero fighter who I think had never beaten a fighter with a winning record. They put her in there with Senecia Estrada and Senecia Senecia Estrada. 
Uh, she's in the uh, Golden Boy stable. She knocked this girl out in about like literally the first 10 seconds of the fight. And it was a complete embarrassment to the commission. So um, with these women's fights, you know, you have to really do your homework and make sure that, you know, you have two women who, who are in there where the fight is going to be uh, not just compelling from a visual standpoint, but something that seems like somebody's not going to get uh, seriously hurt. Because Absolutely. at the same time, you know, it's, it, it, it is it is a sport, you know, at the end of the day. It's supposed to be a sport. Yeah. I say that all the time. And Supposedly. I saw it the other day, you know, when I was watching some of the fights that I was watching over the weekend that we just recapped, I'm like, okay, it's supposed to be a sport. It's not supposed to be a death match. But, all right, talk about sports. Here we go. The big one coming up. We got Crawford versus Porter. Wow. Kevin, where do we begin to unpack this one? We got Crawford at 37 on 28 KOs. We got Porter, who is an excellent fighter, at 31 and 3 with 17 KOs. They all fought excellent opponents. I think, in my opinion, a Porter has the better experience, but I'm going to let you take the lead on this, Kev. What, what do you think? Uh, how do we unpack this? This is an amazing fight. Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you about. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you about the resume. And partially the reason why is, yes, uh, Porter probably has maybe a little bit of a better, I guess you could say, I wouldn't say resume. He's. He's a couple, uh, like the best two fighters he's fought is probably better than the best two fighters that Crawford's fought. But the thing is, Porter lost to those guys. So when you, and Crawford has never even been close, have come close to being beaten. I think the closest fight he had was maybe Victor Postal. Uh, that fight went 12 rounds. Um, people forget Terrence Crawford at welterweight has stopped every opponent that he's been in there against. Um, he was amazing at 140 pounds. Uh, he, he beat Victor Postal. Uh, he, he also, uh, stopped Julius Ndongo. Um, and then at 135, he, he beat all the, the best guys, even though, you know, some of the names aren't huge names that jump out, jump out at you, but he, he's been dominant and his run at welterweight, I think all the fighters he's beaten besides Kell Brook, have all been undefeated. He beat uh, Evis Caldelicious uh, when he was undefeated. Um, he did beat Kell Brook, that was, but that was impressive. He what, That opponent wasn't unbeaten. He beat Jeff Horn, who had just come off that uh, victory over Manny Pacquiao, albeit uh, controversially. So um, he beat uh, Jesse Benavides. Um, or was it Jose Benavides or Jesse Benavides? Jose. Jose Benavides, uh, Jose Benavides Jr., the brother of uh, David Benavides, who we were talking about previously. Uh, he knocked him out, um, undefeated foe at the time. So I, I like, I like, uh, I, I think Crawford just makes his opponents look pretty ordinary for the most part. And uh, when you do that, it, it, it somewhat diminishes your resume a little bit, if that makes sense. Because at the same time, uh, look at, so. Canelo is considered pound for pound the best fighter in the world. But some of the fighters that he fought, I mean, he kind of squeaked by, you know, to get some of these victories, you know, even, um, you know, Arizalandi Lara, for example. 
uh, the Triple G fights. I mean, people are still debating those fights till this day. I, I thought he, uh, I thought the first fight uh, legitimately was probably a draw. I, th I thought he he won the um, the rematch. Um, but yeah, this this Crawford versus uh, Porter fight, I see Crawford coming out and making a huge statement. And I, I like him to uh, stop Porter. I, I think um, if you look at Porter's record, Porter's a tough fighter, but um, only 17 KOs. And I think um, it's going to be rough. It's going to be similar to the fight that Crawford had with uh, Jeff Horn. The only difference is I think Crawford has filled out more um, as a welterweight. I think in that fight, he was struggling a little bit with the strength of Jeff Horn. Horn was a little bit crude. Porter is definitely a much better fighter. He's going to bring the fight to Crawford. But at the end of the day, I think that's going to be to his demise. I think he's going to walk uh, – Crawford's going to walk him into something. And and we all know Ter Terrence Crawford, uh, his best his best attribute is he's a great finisher. Oh, yeah. When he smells that blood, he's a shark. He goes in there and he'll try to take you out. Uh, flip side for me, Kev, is that – Porter, he's a linebacker. So we got a shark against a linebacker yeah. here. Porter always is very consistent. Now, granted, he's never won his biggest assignments. Like, we look at Earl Spence, Danny Garcia, things of that nature. You know, Thurman. He was close in all those matches, but he never finished it. He never won it. Um, I think that at this point in time that Porter has to understand that this is the biggest moment of his life. I'm sure he understood that before and before and before. And I agree with you. Crawford, his versatility going from southpaw to conventional and switching things around and just being such a great dynamic fighter and finishes people, there's an opportunity, of course, that he could finish Porter. But I do think that Porter style – and his kind of like reckless abandon, if you will, although I respect Porter a lot, I think that could mess up Crawford's game plan. I think that I'm not predicting who's going to win here. I love this fight on yeah. so many levels. I love both guys, and I think they're both great yeah. guys. Yeah, I, I see. I see. I see uh, your assessment. I'm. I'm just. Um, I just think when Porter sometimes like he um, he throws his punches, he loops them. He gets off balance at certain times when he kind of lunges in. He lunges with his head in front of his feet. And that's where I see Crawford catching him with something, something big and then finish him, finishing him off. But that will definitely be um, later in the fight. But obviously, uh, Sean Porter, uh, you know, he's, he's shown he has a great chin. Even against Errol Spence, he got rocked in the 11th round. He went down and uh, he, he made it, you know, to, to the end of the fight and was still just I mean, he's just a dog, you know. I mean, he, he comes in there like a pit bull, and um, Crawford is so so as far as like dogs. So Porter's like a pit bull. What kind of dog would you say Crawford is? If you had to pick up a, a dog breed to say that uh, Terrence Crawford resembles, it's a very interesting question. I'm gonna say <sighs> Chihuahua. Chihuahua. I'm a Chihuahua fan. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. Because Chihuahua's got balls for days. When Crawford, you know, goes after someone, like, he don't back up. Yeah. So, for me, like, a Chihuahua, like, if they engage, and even though it might not be in their best interest, yeah. a yeah. Chihuahua does not back down. They'll go in. They'll try to get it. 
Yeah. And um, you know, Crawford's the, the literal guy. Like he's he's yeah. you know, smaller, he's little. Um, in terms of like Porter's stocky, he looks yeah. great. It's, a lot yeah, of he's, short he's like a bulldog. You he's know? like he's... a bulldog. So this is, do we call this the, uh, the bulldog versus Chihuahua? But you mentioned a, a great point, Kev. You said later in the fight, all right, for um, Crawford to really step up. Crawford is a slow starter. But when yeah. he starts after the third or fourth or fifth round, he really kicks some serious ass. Yeah. Let's face facts. Look at the Gamboa yeah. fight. Like, well, well, especially like too with um, Crawford is because he can kind of fight in um, either orthodox or um, southpaw. He can give you a different look and kind of figure you out, and then he'll 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 um, fight in another stance that will kind of freeze his opponent, and then his opponent can get caught by something just because they're not prepared for. Um, you know, the style, and he, and he does it so seamlessly. Like, some fighters are kind of a little bit more predictable, like, when they do it. And when he does it, it's almost like, subconsciously, you don't even really know that he's in the other stance. And I don't know if he's a... If he has... If his right hand or his left hand is stronger, because I've seen him knock out opponents with with either hand. And, you know... um Hey, he's just that damn good yeah he, <laughs> that's he, what it comes down to. i mean to me it's <laughs> if you wanted to make uh terrence crawford uh pound for pound the best fight in the world fighter in the world i think you can make the argument it's just with with canelo's uh canelo has so many it's had so many big fights and um against fighters that you consider great fighters you know mayweather and uh and the like and triple g and you know arislandi lara and and then a bunch of other championship level fighters um that are pretty you know guys that are tough as nails as well like alfredo angulo and shane mosley and um man i mean the list goes on and on so it's insane i, I, I think for crawford uh to really be to put his stamp as the pound for pound best fighter in the world he's got to stop sean border he's got to make it decisive it can't be a, a 116 112 he, ha he has to really dominate um the majority of the fight and i, I think he will and I, I my think last stop him. My Go last on. question for you is that ring rust. Both okay. fighters have been out of the ring a long time, and to just jump right in at world class opposition. I mean, let's face facts: Craw Crawford and Porter are okay. both world class fighters. How does that affect? And uh, do you think there's any advantage for one or the other? No, I I I don't think it's going to be an issue at all. And part of the reason why is I think both of these guys, um, they don't seem like guys that get totally out of shape in between fights. You know, they're like kind of gym rat type fighters. And um, especially Sean Porter. I mean, that that guy, I mean, he doesn't ever look like he's out of shape. And, I think um, he's got the best wardrobe. I'm going to throw this out there, guys. Yeah. I don't care how everyone takes it. But here's what's up. Sean Porter's dress wardrobe game is the most on point in boxing his ties phenomenal i'm sorry kev go ahead <laughs> so yeah so um and I, I think at the same time for an older fighter i think um i don't know how long uh these fighters like how long of a layoff uh each fighter has but they're both in like their early 30s so if, it, if it's about if it's about the same layoff for either guy i don't think it's really gonna affect the fight at all um might affect 
Crawford a little bit more just because uh, Crawford's a slow starter anyways, and Porter's not. He just He's going to come in in the first round and fight pretty consistently the whole time. So I guess in that sense, it probably favors Porter a little bit just from that, that standpoint. Well, it's going to be a great one. We got it coming up this Saturday, yeah, which is unbelievable. We're already here, and I think this is uh, my favorite fight of the boxing calendar year to close out, to be honest with you. Um, I love both guys. I, I think uh, Crawford is an amazing, amazing fighter. Like you said, like the way he switches stances, it's it's seamless. Like yeah. you can't even tell. Like when it happens, he's just so good. He's so fluid and he's so powerful. And you got Porter, who's just like so entertaining to watch. Even though it's if it's sloppy sometimes, he just comes in with all his heart and soul. And so we're gonna have someone that's gonna be in the ring in Crawford that is a masterful boxer, and we have someone in Porter that is a good boxer. But brings his balls yeah, to the bring, dance. Yeah, he brings he brings the heat. <laughs> he brings the heat. So, so um, yeah, that's a great matchup. So do we do we? Uh, is there anything worth discussing as far as the undercard, or if you do you know who's fighting on the undercard, or would, should we just leave that alone? Yeah, I said we dismissed that. I, I'm, I'm all about. I'm just trying to think of what what the co, what the co feature is here. Uh, if if let, uh, let's uh, let's pull it up. Let's see what we got. And I haven't heard anything about the undercard, so I'm not. I'm so not, then, uh, therefore, it's not worth. I'm not crossing. About. I'm not crossing my fingers on this one, you know. Yeah. Considering the last one we got with uh, Canelo and Plant, I mean that undercard was an embarrassment. That was terrible. To, uh, it, it, I'm, paper, I'm gonna paper. It, it definitely wasn't a Don King undercard. Let's say that much. I, I'm gonna do a Dwyer here. Well, that was a brief conversation. <laughs> was that undercard? If if we don't know that it's not it, listen. Me and Kevin, we got this thing down for a long time with the boxing world. If we don't know who's fighting, like I actually have watched people box like online, you know, in weird countries, just because I needed to get like my fight fix in. So and I'm, I'm trying to uh, see if I can pull this up yeah. right here. Excuse and if we don't know it, that that's that's a problem. So that's uh, that's the date. So here's all the events going on. Let's see if I can pull this. A uh, lot of boxing on uh, the twentieth, but I'm not. Break down the schedule for the listeners, brother. Well, the, these are uh, fights in like a lot of fights at all in Europe and stuff. I'm just uh, scrolling down to see uh, just before we go. If yeah. we can um this see if this undercard is uh um, has any value at is, all is worth discussing. <laughs> um I'll talk about Muay Thai though. Muay Thai's been on my TV recently and uh, I've been I watching a lot of that. Uh, I, I Muay Thai is my shit, man. I love that stuff. So it's know. so incredible to watch. Newark, New Jersey's got some boxing. I mean, this is some- oh that's much, yeah. A lot, lot of fights going on. Okay, here we go. Um, wow. What do you got? They. Kevin Perry versus John Signorella. 
No, I mean I'm on box rec. <laughs> they don't even they don't even show the undercard fights. It just I know they've the, been really bad at that. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not saying anything here. So anyway, you got to go to. So for the fans listening, the listeners that are checking in, I would recommend going to uh, ESPN.com's boxing, and they'll show you who's on the undercard. But if me and Kevin don't know who's on the undercard, chances are. I'm not yeah, saying I didn't, these I didn't, guys. I didn't, re- I didn't research it honestly, and um, I, I just, I never heard anything about. Or I think I did read about the undercard weeks ago, and I think it was, it was just so pathetic, it wasn't even worth remembering. So, all right, here we go. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it. Oh, Isaac Dogbo is in there. Okay. Um, Adam Lopez, a good friend of mine, had him on my show twice. That's not a bad fight against Adam Ochoa, and uh, Dog is fighting Christopher Diaz. Other than that, yeah. Um, I, again, respect to all fighters. No boxing, no life. I, I give you all props, but I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, yeah, that's that's one you just turn on right before the main event if, if uh, you got other stuff, better stuff to do. But um, any any anything else you want to add before we go, John? Or um, talk to me about fight night. Are you still playing? You getting your ass kicked still? Can no, you- I, I I beat I beat the game already. I was act- actually I was kind of disappointed because I thought after you you beat the champion, you were gonna get to defend the title and do some stuff. But I guess you knock him out and the the game's over. So at least you won. Yeah, I beat you him know? pretty good. How how good did you feel? I could only imagine because I know like your excitement with things, and I'm sure that you probably like ran across your living room. No, I was pretty uh, well. I think it was like two thirty in the morning. <laughs> I'm, I was like, I'm not going to go to bed until I beat this guy. I probably lost about ten times in a row, and once I knocked him out, I took my butt to bed. But it, it was it was cool though. But I was I was disappointed by how the game like the story thing ended, but. I'm not a big gamer or anything, so. But that was a good sleep. It had to be a good night's rest because finally you got it done. What about Saints Row? What happened with Saints Row? Are you playing? Uh, A little bit. I mean, I haven't really had uh, been playing uh, too much, but um, I I have some other games I have that are pretty cool. I have this game called Dance uh, Revolution or something, and you play with this Kinect box with the Xbox and it kind of tracks your motions and you uh, score points and stuff. It's it's just pretty cool. It's fun. What about with Saints Row? Did you get the wheel bitch yet? That's that's the best when you get the, no, uh, I didn't, the drivers. I didn't, get, I didn't get that far. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm Sorry. not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very good at, at video games. If I'm playing and I'm not really uh, figuring it out, it's just you know, it's a little bit too. Com- these games are a little bit too complex for me. You know, at this stage of my life, so. I feel bad for the female listeners, and when I say wheel bitch, that's actually what they call them in the video game. So just like it's a pretty pretty but, interesting, uh, interesting game. Oh, it's the uh, best! It, it's so good, dude. Like especially when you get to like you know the whole like drug run operation, and you got like your whole gang coming through, and people just show up and do all this crazy stuff for you. It's like it's a it's. I'm telling you, once you get to the meat and potatoes, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still in the the part of the game where I'm just uh, picking up uh, 
hookers and dropping a mop to John. <laughs> that's where I'm, that's where I'm at in the game. If anybody knows the game, it's 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 funny. It's it's uh. I wouldn't want my kids playing it. That's that's all I gotta say. No, have you taken the hookers to uh, a place called Freckle Bitches? No, I haven't. I haven't got that far. <laughs> it's a restaurant out there. Okay, and, and they'll appreciate you for it. All right, Kev. In the right meantime, on. brother, great show as always. Yeah, it's been a lot Love of you, fun, my man. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, big fight this Saturday. And um, yeah, good luck. Good luck to both men. And I, I just got to say, uh, just to end out the show, um, great, great stuff with ESPN and Top Rank and uh, PBC for putting this together. Um, they did it with Deontay Wilder and uh, Tyson Fury. Um, it's going to be on ESPN pay per view and also ESPN Plus um, if you want to get it digitally. So uh, definitely go and uh, support it. Um, but yeah, kudos to both camps is all I'm going to say for uh, stepping up to the plate and giving the fans uh, a fight in the welterweight division that that we're looking forward to. So um, we need this more in boxing, uh, you know, to see two great people, two great personalities, characters, uh, fighters and uh, promotional outfits and uh, network divides and all that kind of stuff to come together and make the best fight the best. There's a reason, Kev, why in the 70s and the 80s that boxing was so good. And for a large part, the 90s. Yeah. And we need to start seeing this more. You mentioned it with Wilder and Fury. That is absolutely correct. And this is what we're getting here. Yeah, You know, we're getting something of that nature. And we need to see that more and more and more in the sport of boxing. And we, we are, we're really starting to pick up the yeah. pace. And I think that uh, our next calendar year of 2022, which will preview and obviously review 2021 very soon, um, the best uh, knockouts and KOs and, you know, fights and rounds, all that kind of good stuff. But we'll also look at what we expect to be in 2022 now that life has kind of got normal, I guess you could say. Yeah. I don't think it ever will be. But at least they're fighting at least we have fighters fighting again yeah that's that's the most important thing is we just want to see fights and we want to see fights where uh we don't know who's gonna win or at least we don't have a hundred percent idea you know who's gonna win we don't want to see uh 50 to one fights or 200 to one fights we want to see you know 60 40 70 30 or 50 50 i think is reasonable so uh, and anything else uh, you, you got you want to say, John? Before we uh, get out of here, let's go get a drink later, brother. I know. Sounds <laughs> sounds good. Let's do it, man. Thank you. All brother. right. <laughs>